Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Chuck Lawless. And I'm Caleb Iverson. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Well, Dr. Lawless, today we're going to be talking about preaching, uh, but before we do, I wanted to ask you, what do you remember about your first sermon? How how was that? How did it go? <laughs> I'm curious, how long was your first sermon? <laughs> you know, actually, I don't remember the text. I do remember when it was. I was 16, and it was Youth Sunday at our church. We did this annually where the young people taught the Sunday school classes, and somebody preached. There were two of us who preached that day. What I what I remember is that the sermon was about 10 minutes long, maybe, but I extended an invitation for about 30 minutes. Classic. Because yeah. I was just convinced <laughs> that uh, everybody is going to want to get saved because I had been preaching. Uh, and so uh, that was a long time ago, so long ago that I hope it's not been recorded anywhere, or at least is no longer in existence. But I, I do remember very short with very long invitation. Yeah. Yeah, my, my first sermon was similar. I actually was in Ecuador, the trip where I met my wife. Oh, okay. And a pastor that we knew sent me a text while I was on the mission trip and said, hey, would you want to preach this Sunday? I said, sure, I'm, I'm 17. I'll take any opportunity <laughs> I can get. So we get back from the trip that Friday. It was We had a red-eye flight. So I'm, you know, telling my parents, hey, you know, I've got this opportunity to preach. I'm going to go preach on Sunday. Said, Wait, okay. this was Friday night you got back and you're preaching on Sunday morning? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like I said, any opportunity I could take, I was just eager to, eager to preach. Yeah. And so I'm preparing in the car when my parents are driving me there. <laughs> <laughs> Get up Saturday morning and I think, or Sunday morning, and I think the sermon lasted about 15 minutes. Okay. So, but it, I preached my heart out. It was all I had. Uh, but it's always funny to look back on that and say, all right, there we go. I at least had the plus of there was someone else preaching too, although I don't remember how in the world we both did that and gave a 30-minute invitation too. But uh, I do remember the guy who, who taught with me as well. So good good memories. Well, listeners, today we want to talk about growing slash improving as a preacher in the year 2024. Um, specifically in this episode, we really want to talk about preaching teams. And on that topic of growing and improving in your preaching— I want to just make you guys aware, again, of our Christ-Centered Exposition Workshop. This workshop is designed to help you improve and grow in your preaching. We uh, This year, our, our topic is Exalting Jesus in John. We're going to be taking a look at preaching through the Gospel of John. The conference will be on April 11th. We'll have featured speakers including Dr. Matt Carter, Dr. Scott Pace, and Dr. Chuck Quarles. So for $25, make sure to come out. And I encourage you to to come join us as well. For twenty five dollars, you can't you can't beat that price. I would love, uh, as a as a pastor, as a young pastor, in particular years ago, to to sit at the feet of Matt Carter and Scott Pace and Chuck Quarles just for a day. Uh, come come join us. Well, Doctor Lawless, let's segue into the episode. Um, can you give us just a little bit of an overview? What are preaching teams? We've seen, you know, more and more churches is becoming more of a popular thing. We're seeing it more today. So why are churches maybe considering this as an option? And can you give us an overview of what they're, what they're thinking about with preaching teams? Yeah, sure. And this is, this is anecdotal, as I've done my, my studies with local churches and just watching what, what pastors are doing. And, and honestly, uh, Caleb, the, the terminology preaching team uh, really is varied. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can vary from, 
from a, a pastor who has some other folks that he just calls on to to preach when he's not there. There's not a regular consistency in what they're doing. It's just the guys to whom he turns when he needs somebody to fill in for him. I've seen pastors call that a, a preaching team. It's a team of other guys who preach when when needed. On the other hand, there are some some pastors now who are building preaching teams where it's it's very regularly scheduled that you will preach this week, I will preach this week, somebody else will preach another week, mm-hmm. and depending on the size of the team, you know how often folks are going to preach. Or the lead pastor is preaching a certain number of weeks, but there's also a very set group of, of preachers who are preaching the other weeks, where they as a team work together to make sure they're casting the same vision. Sometimes they are they are working on sermons together. Uh, they're getting feedback in the preparation process and in the feedback process. Other times I've seen you're still preparing your own individual sermon, but there's typically feedback after after that. The, the goal is to say we need to do this we need to do this together. The other way I've heard the term used or seen the term used is is pastors of smaller churches that that really don't have folks, or at least as they perceive it now, they don't have the folks who can join them in the preaching where two or three pastors in a, in a local area will join together as a team to help each other. Hmm. But that's that's uh, much more uh, broad-based than a preaching team in a, in a local church. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Well, looking at the rise of these preaching teams and the many different ways and forms that these things take, what are some strengths of preaching teams, and why do you think we're seeing it more as it's becoming more common with different churches? Yeah, it's a good question. When I, when I started preaching— a long, a long time ago, I don't know that I heard anybody talk that kind of language. There, there was a sense if you were the if you were the pastor, we didn't even use lead pastor language. Uh, if you were the pastor, you were the one who was to, was to be preaching. And many of us, at least in Baptist life, preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, we were really busy. I, I still don't know entirely how we did that. I've said before on this podcast that I'm pretty much convinced that two of the three sermons every week uh, were pretty terrible uh, <laughs> because I don't, I don't know how we balanced all that out. But I do think part of what's happening is, as, as we have rightly, I think, among evangelicals, uh, focused on preaching the Word, really looking at the Word, studying the Word, exegeting the Word, thinking about application and illustration, and thinking about our context in our in our preaching and learning how to develop sermons well, that's just, that's just a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And I get it when young, young preachers, uh, you haven't had this conversation with me, but I've had other young preachers say to me, I just don't know if I, if I, can invest all that has to take place to preach every Sunday in a given year. And I, for me, from my own, my own background, that doesn't make sense to me. And yet when I think about the work involved in preaching well, I get it. I get it why. Uh, you come through seminary, we put you through the, the rigor of preparing a sermon manuscript, testing that out in a, in a preaching lab, I get it why folks may say, gosh, that's a, that's a lot of work. And so uh, balancing that out by inviting others to, to help share the load, mm. um, I, I get that. I understand. I think there are other reasons as well. Um, I think that as we do this, it does allow us 
to help lead pastors get some needed rest once yeah. in a while. It is it is weighty to lead a church. And I don't think it's a bad idea for preachers, lead pastors to have opportunity to sit and listen to others in the congregation preach the word and be a recipient as well. I think it's a good model in the sense that it's good for the church to see the, the, the lead pastor sitting there worshiping with them, the lead pastor having an opportunity to sit with his spouse, with his family, which mm. sometimes doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so I think there are some, some practical reasons for, for this as well. Uh, a couple other strengths that come to mind for me. When, when the team, if the team collaborates on the, the preaching event itself, studying the word together, um, getting feedback together, I think that that builds a sense of teamwork that is that is a good thing mm-hmm. for churches that we march forward together and are thinking about teaching and, and preaching the word. And we we feed off of each other. It really becomes iron sharpening iron that that if it's um, you, Caleb, Zach is with us here as well, producing this. If it's the three of us and others working through a text helping each other learn how do we do this, then I, as the, as the, the lead guy, at least the old guy at this table, uh, I can help you think about how you do that so that wherever the Lord takes you in the long run, you, you do that better, I trust. So I think there's an opportunity for discipleship, an mm-hmm. opportunity for young guys to grow in their preaching in a, in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. That was actually one of the the strengths that I thought about as well. Just the opportunity for modeling for a younger guy like myself to be have the opportunity to sit with your lead pastor and just watch his process and talk with him about why are you thinking, you know, about using using this illustration? Why are you thinking about setting up the text this way or making the point this way? And just learning and soaking that in. I mean, that's that's gold right there for a young guy taking it in and then being able to have the opportunity to get some reps himself. Um, yeah, so there's a huge opportunity for discipleship there. Yeah, and, and many of us got our reps in our first church with people who very graciously listened to us, <laughs> but didn't always help us, and nor mm-hmm. nor did we know that we should reach out to others for, for help. We just tried to figure it out on our own, and I'm sure quite often it just wasn't, just wasn't very strong. And for our for our young students for young young pastors to have an opportunity to really get their feet wet in preaching and know that somebody a lead pastor other pastors somebody always has their back uh, while they're getting some experience i think there's real value in that mm-hmm. i think there's also you mentioned the unity that can be built with on, among the preaching team itself but also i think it could foster unity within the church when they're seeing uh, multiple leaders in the church casting that same vision and they're hearing from multiple voices from the pulpit, I think that's actually helpful as well um, for, the, for the life and the, the health of the church in the long term. Yeah, it definitely models uh, a 1 Corinthians 12 yeah. image of the yeah, church, that God puts all of us there for a reason. Uh, whether we are a, a hand, a foot, an eye, an ear, whatever we are, God puts us there and we help each other live out our, our giftedness and I think I think practically sometimes just hearing a different voice, literally a different voice, makes us listen hmm. a little more intentionally. It can be that that I preach it 
you preach the same thing, but because it's not my voice that week, your voice grabs the attention like my voice may not. And so generationally, that could be the case. Uh, I think done well, and hear hear that caveat, Mm -hmm. done well. Uh, I think there can be some real value in at least expanding the opportunities for those of us who lead churches to invite others to share in the preaching ministry and to equip people to to do that with us. Mm. Well, they, we talked about some strengths, but like with anything, there's pros and cons. And so what are some of the weaknesses that come with a preaching team that you've seen? Yeah, I think you have to I think you have to consider are you are you talking about folks that you want to assure that they have elder qualities up mm. front and you're now testing their ability to teach. I think if, if you're doing that, that's that's fine. Uh, you recognize that in doing that, you're trying to determine are they are they apt to teach. You you may discover that maybe they're not. <laughs> uh, but ideally, perhaps you would learn that in a different setting first. Yeah. You would learn that in a small group setting. You learn that in a smaller Bible study. You learn that in in some other way to to develop really strong preaching teams. Does does it seems to me assume that your church has a number of folks who who are elder uh, quality for for speaking to the church. And, and you mentioned this uh, before, that, that it is good for the church to hear multiple voices cast the same vision, and I do agree with that. What I have seen occasionally is sometimes the multiple voices can dilute mm. the voice of the, of the lead pastor, who it seems to me is often the one who is the, pri- the primary vision caster. And uh, if, if I don't hear from him a significant number of times. Sometimes, sometimes I think it can be hard to to hold that vision together. Mm-hmm. I do think there's value in hearing from a primary preacher of the gospel in a in a local church sharing the responsibilities. Yes, but if the process dilutes the the weightiness of that lead pastor casting vision, I th- I think that can be tough to to overcome. Yeah. Just to, to put you on the spot here for this question, because I, I agree, that's one of the things that I thought about as well, wrestling with the tension of that one main voice. In your experience, what has been a helpful number for pastors to think through? If they're the lead pastor, how many weeks a year should they consider be preaching? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I don't know that I actually have an answer for you. Yeah. I, I can tell you I can tell you where I lean if if I were the lead pastor again, my full time my full time role, I suspect I would I would still be preaching. Honestly, I'd probably be preaching, probably still forty, mm-hmm. forty two times, forty four times a year. Taking time for vacation, taking time for conferences, other other things, but I fully admit that we're talking about preaching teams here, and I'm just confessing to you that while I think there's value in this for me personally, because this is my, this is my background, uh, this is my experience, it would be tough for me to share that. Mm. So I would have to force myself to learn how to share that. That's why I say, if we're going to do this, make sure you've got the right folks who are part of the preaching team. You're comfortable saying, look, I trust these guys who are preaching with me. Mm. We're here to help them do this. And with that philosophy in mind, I think that's what would help me to say, all right, Chuck, get out of the way here. 
uh, because you do want to, we do want to as a church, not just have other folks who help relieve some of the responsibility for me, but more so for me, if I can, if I can look at it as, all right, I, I really want to help these young guys grow in their preaching and give others opportunity as they investigate what the Lord wants them to do. I think that would help me to, to free that up. I would be, I would struggle if I were giving up more than one weekend a month mm-hmm. in in preaching. So that backs it off a little bit more. I just want to make sure that I have the right the right folks carrying out the work. Yeah, and that's really helpful. That point of trusting those guys and really just the context that you find yourself in. You may have more elders that are leading and and capable of that, and a mix of young guys in there too. Yes. Southeastern exists to help people like you serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission in all of life. Are you interested in learning more about what Southeastern has to offer? Join us for Preview Day, where you will meet professors and current students, tour our beautiful campus, and experience what it could look like for you to prepare for ministry in our Great Commission community. To learn more and register, check out sebts.edu slash visit. What about the pastor that's listening to this right now, and he's saying, hey, I'm the only pastor, uh, I'm the only staff member, or I'm just in a small church setting, and he's listening to this podcast about preaching teams. What would you say to him? And that may be the majority of our listeners. Yeah. It certainly is the majority of churches in, in North America. That's why we go back to the, to the picture of a preaching team that really goes beyond just a single church. Mm. I don't think it would hurt us at all as pastors— to learn to trust one another yeah. and to invite each other to give feedback. What what so often happens is we get feedback in our preaching course at the seminary and then don't get feedback again unless somebody's just really frustrated with us and they choose to give us <laughs> feedback. Uh, but constructive feedback, I'm not sure that we readily get that, nor do we put ourselves in a place to get that. Mm. And so... I think there is a place for uh, the pastor in a small church, in a community where uh, he does not have other staff members. Maybe he's just getting to know the church. He doesn't know others who who uh, have the, the quality to be an elder. Uh, I think it's wise for us to reach out to others in the community. First of all, just to have fellowship with other pastors. Mm. That in and of itself, to be able to step outside of, of our local building get out in the community, uh, have lunch with another pastor, pray with that pastor, help to build some sense of unity among the pastors in the community. That in and of itself, I think, is positive. But if you can, if you can help each other even think through, I'm really wrestling with this text. Can we talk about that? Or setting up time where maybe, maybe it's just once a month. Maybe it's not every week. Maybe it's once a, once a month. I want you to, I just want you to watch this sermon or listen to this sermon and I would love to have your feedback, or, or let's just talk about ways we can, we can help each other. I, I think for the, for the smaller church pastor, you just have to think about creative ways to invite other people into, mm. into those discussions. The, the, the positive is, though, because of our access to Internet means, we can invite other people to be a part of that kind of preaching team, and they don't have to be in our community. I like the idea of there being in our community because I think we have to build some of that unity among pastors. But all of us have friends who are, who are pastoring elsewhere that they're not going to hop on a plane and come to, to sit with us. 
but they, they certainly can watch one of our sermons and join us in a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting or a telephone call and help us just keep strengthening what we're doing as proclaimers of the gospel. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Really helpful, too, and practical. Uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit throughout the episode, but just curious on your thoughts. What is the value of preparing a sermon in community with others versus, you know, the typical way of preparing a sermon largely on your own? What, what value comes from that? In, in some ways, as we engage commentaries and other sources, we perhaps listen to other sermons. In, in that sense, we are inviting community yeah. in. It's just a literary community or a media-based community that that can help us think through what we're what we're preaching. And I think that's good. And so that in and of itself ought to push us as preachers to say, I, I want to invite input as I, as I prepare a sermon from scholars who are much, much wiser than I, from preachers who preach much longer than, than I. I think that's good. I think the, the importance of learning how to prepare in community, and I wish I had known this this years ago. In fact, frankly, I wish still some days these days that sometimes you preach a sermon and you wish, man, I wish somebody had listened to that first. Because no matter how long you've been doing this, there are days when you think you just you just missed it. Mm. Um, I think for all of us, we we have blind spots. Yeah. We sometimes, if we prepare manuscripts, we read into our manuscripts what we what we think we said. When the words that we put on the uh, on the paper and the words that we say in the pulpit aren't exactly what we intended to say, it's just that we read our mind reads what we were thinking, even if it's not there in our in our preparation. That's where folks outside of us can can help us think through by reviewing our manuscripts, for example, or. I just think there's value in when we wrestle with understanding a text. If the community we invite in are are a, a community of scholars who help us think through things, meaning via commentaries, well, what do you do if they differ? Hmm. And what do you do if they're they're good, solid, conservative scholars and they differ? Uh, then it's not a bad idea to get somebody else in to help you think about those things, to get a, a brother in Christ uh, who, can, who can help you wrestle through. Here's one option. Here's another option. Where, where is the best place to land here as I think about how I take that word to, to my congregation? The, the other thing that comes to mind with, with preparing a sermon in community is, is it reminds us that one, we're not doing this by ourselves. Mm. It's never wise to to lead, to do ministry by ourselves. It's always wise to have other people invested in us and, and walking with us, even from a, from a distance. And it reminds us that others are watching us. And what I mean by that is, even those folks, if, if the three of us sit and and work on sermon preparation— you are you are watching my life in some in, in some ways, even as we sit and talk about a text and and the way we talk about it, the way we joke about things. You're, you're still putting yourself in relationships that allow us to really test uh, who we are, mm. to show who we are in yeah. Christ. And I think that's that's incredibly valuable too. That 
we're sharpening one another, not just in our sermon preparation, but in guarding our hearts for the for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, and that's all really rich. Hopefully pastors are encouraged to consider how they can prepare sermons in community. Well, Dr. Lawless, any final or concluding thoughts that you'd like to say to our listeners? Yeah, I would say to, to pastors again, if you if you don't have access to somebody that you think could could help you with a, with, with a preaching team, start start by praying, asking the Lord to guide you to somebody who who can help you. Feel free to reach out to us at the at the pastor center as we think about in the future how do we best help pastors really focus on improving their preaching. We'd love to hear ideas, questions that you have. We want to hear from our our listeners. Uh, the end of the day, I would say this. Uh, we all have an incredible privilege and responsibility in preaching the word. The privilege of, for whatever reason, God's calling us to to proclaim the word and the responsibility to, to do that well out of, out of godly lives, out of prepared hearts, and having spent time in the, in the word. Privilege and responsibility if we can do that more together, that's that's best for all of us. Mm, yeah. Well, we want to thank you, listener, for listening to this episode of Pastor Matters. If you found this conversation helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give. You can email that feedback at pastorcenter at sebits.edu. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. <laughs>